0: this relationship series from which I believe that we're all going to be able to learn something that is applicable to the situation that we're in, the things that we've been in, and to the things that we may face in the future. And I think that's what God's word always does. It addresses the past, it speaks to us in the present, and it prepares us also for the future. And so if we can understand this and we can understand how God's word is also sown as a seed into our hearts and God then begins a work in us. And there are times when we hear things and we understand things as God describes them that help us to make sense of the past. And then he speaks to us about situations that are our current reality. And so it hits us in the moment in which we're living it. And then there are times where we aren't even prepared for what we are hearing, but then the Holy Spirit brings it back to our memories and reminds us of a truth that we needed in the moment that we are now living in the future. Today we're going to be talking about a subject that I think that all of us are going to be able to relate to. The title for today is called Stop Test Driving Your One. And the reason I wanted to start with this title is because it leads directly into this analogy. If you've ever had to purchase a vehicle or have taken that step and to think you can understand what I'm about to say. You walk into a dealership or to a lot in which someone allows you to take a car out for a test drive. And then you say, hey, can I have an extended test drive? Like it was good to kind of get a feel on the road here around the dealership but I really want to see what this thing can do on the highway. And so you take it out on the highway and then after you've taken it out on the highway you say you know what I really want to know how this performs. Is it okay if I can take this out on a weekend? And then you take the car out, and you sign a bunch of waivers, and take responsibility with your insurance, and you do this thing where you even put down a deposit, and you invest a financial amount so that you can now take it out for the weekend. And then you decide, you know what, the weekend gave me a good understanding, but what I'd like to do is to take it for a longer vacation. And then after you've done the vacation, you decide that, well, that wasn't exactly enough time to really get a sense of what you needed. And so you decide that, you know what, I'm just going to go into a relationship with this car where it allows me to lease it for a few years. And then if, if it doesn't meet up to my standards, then I'm gonna take that car back and I'm gonna start the process all over again because it did not meet up to my expectations. And after a lot of miles, some of which you may have also, when you brought the vehicle back, have now, you have now created a situation where you have to now pay a penalty. Because they gave you an allotment of kilometers that it was okay to keep the car, but when you bring it back, you now realize that you've gone way over and they're charging you for every single one kilometer that you've gone over. And now there's a hefty fine that's added to the end. And now you feel like, well, maybe I should just buy the car. Why would I pay this penalty when I can just keep driving the same vehicle. But the problem is, you don't wanna make that kind of a commitment because there's a bunch of things with the car that now are starting to be really problematic. And you realize that it isn't just the fine that you have to pay, but it's all the repairs that are being now added to this long list of things that tell you that if you could just bring it back, and walk away, well, that's what you'd want to do. That sounds like a lot like a lot of relationships today. In fact, I want to say that endlessly test driving the relationship without any real regard for the spiritual an emotional wear and tear that you're putting the other person through is outright disrespectful and dishonorable. All the while, you are keeping your eyes out, looking for a better model. And I wanna speak to you about the difference between having the right mindset, and the right motivation because ultimately God says it's okay for you to try things out, to test the waters, to see if this is someone that you can do life with. But it's the mindset in which we enter it with, it's the motivation with which we approach the person and enter into a relationship that God is addressing in His scriptures. Those two things, mindset and motivation, make all the difference into deliberately hurting someone, wounding them, taking advantage of them, using them, and then just simply moving on. And I need us to understand that when God puts out his principles, he says, I want you to not be a consumer, but I want you to be someone who is committed. And and the difference between being a consumer and someone who is committed is described in a relationship that we find in the scriptures between Hosea and Gomer as well as God and the people of Israel and in Hosea chapter 2 in verse 6 and 8 it says this for this reason I will fence her in with thorn bushes I'm going to block her path with a wall I'm going to make her lose her way Because when she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them, but not find them. And she will think I might as well return back to my husband for I was better off with him than I am now. And she doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything. She has the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, it even gave her silver and gold, but she gave all my gifts to the idol and false god Baal. Now, what God does in this passage, He's not referring to a woman, but He's referring to His people, and He's seeing Himself as as the groom, and 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 the, and and His and His church, and and and, and His people are His bride. And what he's saying is that when we go out into this world trying to bring things into our lives the wrong way, that God is going to impede that, he's going to block that, so we come to our senses and realize that our mindset, our motivation, that our consumeristic approach to finding the one is actually not going to work for us at all. That we're finally going to be able to come back to him and begin to put his principles into practice in such a manner that it brings the right person into our life. But more importantly, it helps us to be the right person. And so in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14 and 17, because God never just puts out a punishment. He doesn't just give out a warning. And he doesn't just like say, hey, this is, these are all the bad things that are going to happen to you because you don't listen to me. He then turns around and says, here's what happens when you do. And then in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, he says, but then I will win her back once again. And I'm gonna lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her. And I'm gonna transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. And she will give herself to me there. And she, as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from the captivity in Egypt. And when that day comes, says the Lord. You will call me my husband instead of my master. And, O Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips. And you will never mention them again. Can we say amen to that? And I love the fact that God is being honest about how this is going to happen. He says, I'm going to bring you into the desert and I'm going to speak tender love into your life because that's where we're gonna have to start again. And then there's going to be vineyards. And then the valley of trouble is going to be a place of hope. You see, he's saying that here's the contrast in what you lived and experienced and what you can have instead. And this is how I'm going to do it. And so he directly, even in this passage, attacks the consumer versus the servant mindset. Because Jesus comes to us as a servant. That's why he bowed down at the feet of his disciples. He knelt, he, he, he lowered and humbled himself, and he washed their feet, and they all resisted it. But Jesus was showing, this is what it looks like to be a servant. I don't want you in my kingdom consuming. I want you in my kingdom serving. And so if we can get a serving mindset where we are willing to sacrifice, then we understand what is happening in the relationship between Hosea and Gomer and also the relationship that God has for us in a relationship between us and him. And he says that before you love me, I am going to give my life for you before you were even aware that I love you, I'm going to sacrifice everything for you. And so when you go into a relationship with that mindset, where you go in knowing that you are going to serve and not consume, it changes everything in terms of your motivation of why you're there in the first place. If you're there to take, then you're going to be a taker. But if you're there to give, then you're truly going to discover through acts of service, the transparency, the authenticity, and the vulnerability that a relationship truly needs to succeed. But if you want to play a game and just put on your best, fake, completely distorted image of yourself out there, then what's going to happen is that you are going into it already. As a consumer, wanting to be admired and desiring from that person, whatever it is that you are ready to take. And God really hates that. There aren't many things that God hates in the scriptures. But this is one of them. And he makes it so clear in the relationship between Hosea and Gomer that even though Gomer keeps leaving Hosea. And when Gomer leaves, the crazy thing is that Hosea is not even that broken up about it because she's been so unfaithful so many times that she's just done. He's just done with her and she's done with him because she would rather go back to what she had than feel like she was settling for Hosea. And and so there's this dynamic that's happening in their relationship that, that, that God has to then keep speaking to Hosea, and he keeps telling him, I want you to go back and get her and bring her back home. And every time she runs away, he has to do that. But the thing is that Hosea doesn't want to do it. She ran away, so he's like, I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. But God has to speak into his life to make sure that he does what he needs him to do. This is complicated for a lot of us because some of us have been left. Some of us have done the leaving. Some of us have been faithful and some of us have been unfaithful. We know what it's like to be on both sides of this at some point. And hopefully you never do. But if you have, and you've experienced this, then you know that there's nothing about that kind of relationship that makes you better, that heals you, that restores you, that brings the kind of love that you've always been yearning. What it does is that it only brings you the image of what you imagine is going to be better, but the reality of it is so far different from what you thought would happen. And the damage that it does in your heart what it does to those around you, the, 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 the impact that it has on you, you're never truly the same. And that's why Paul has to write certain things, because this is an ongoing issue, not just for people of that time, but, but for us as well. In fact, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in, in fact, if you have the time, read the first eight verses, but we're just going to focus on beginning at verse 3. And here, here's what it says. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified and that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God and that in this manner, no one should wrong or take advantage Here it is, of a brother or sister because the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now what this passage is doing is that it's explaining to us that sometimes we have a mindset and a motivation to go into a relationship to just take from the other person. We're not there for commitment. We're not there for love. We're not there because we care about being in a long-term relationship with this person. We are just out for a test drive. And we are going to do what we want, we're going to take what we want, and then we are going to walk away without any sense of commitment, believing that it was mutual, consensual, that it didn't do anybody any harm, but in reality, it harms us, hurts us. It works deep within us in a manner that keeps affecting us in wanting to find true love and experience it in the way that God has in store for us. So God says, I want you to avoid this. I don't want you to take advantage of other people. I want you to go in with a different mindset. I want you to go in with a different motivation. Of course, things might not work out. Of course, you might get too close. Of course. You may do things that you later regret. Yes, but was that your mindset going in? Was it your motivation going in? It's very different than those things happening and those things being planned from the beginning. Are you going in to use a person or are you going in to find the one? Are you going in to be served by the person? Or are you going in to serve them? To show them what true love can be like? Are you in a relationship in which you keep revealing and demonstrating what it looks like to be in love? Or do you keep living a lifestyle in a manner in which you are pushing the other person to fall out of love with you. See, people don't just fall out of love. They get pushed out of love. Small things accumulate to becoming big things but ultimately people are pushed out of love. And that's because at some point in the relationship, we have stopped serving and we have started consuming. We have stopped making sacrifices and we have become selfish instead. And so when you pay attention to your mindset and you pay attention to your motivation, you're gonna see that we are gonna wanna take from someone a physical intimacy that is not rightfully ours. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying you are going into relationship, taking physical intimacy from someone who is not yours. You are not in a committed relationship. Your mindset and your motivation is something else. But it isn't love. And even in your pursuit of love, you are not experiencing love. You are not giving it and you're not receiving it. You are only giving out and having taken from you something that should only be given and taken in a committed relationship. And so here's what happens when we keep test driving. The one. We enjoy all the benefits of unending companionship and emotional intimacy without ever committing. And God says, that's evil. It isn't just wrong. He says it's evil. Evil to the point where he says that if you do this, that if you live this way, I will make sure I stand in your way so your life is not blessed. And that, that's what he told the people of Israel. That's what he told those that belong to him. He says, I'm going to put up a wall. He's going to, I'm going I'm to make sure that you are surrounded by thorn brushes. I'm going to block every path. Anytime you try to do something, It is not going to work out. Why? Because you are selfish in how you love. And because you are selfish in how you love, I will show you what barrenness looks like. But then he says, I'm still willing to meet you in the desert. I'm willing to take that desert and turn it into a vineyard. I'm willing to take that valley of trouble and to turn it into a gateway of hope. Can we say amen to that? And God is ready to do all of that for all of us. And, and so I want us to understand that, that you know, dating as a concept didn't exist in the scriptures at all. Like it, it just wasn't there. And so we live in a different culture and a different time. And so today things are just a lot more complicated, and it used to be that there used to be one or two apps out there and that helped or dating online sites. And there's so much out there right now that it, it can get really difficult and really confusing. And people are out there um, with no real intention of, of finding love, but just trying to sleep with as many people as possible. And that's their motivation. They're, they, they're, they don't have a greater motivation than just pleasuring themselves. And and the society that we live in has made it incredibly easy for us to feel like if we don't behave this way, then there's something wrong with us. That if we don't give this away and we don't give it away quickly, then that relationship may end quickly and that person may stop loving us and maybe never even get to the point of loving us because we are not sexually able to do everything that they're asking us to do in the moment in which they ask it. Why would you want this person in your life, is my question. Why would you even want to have a second date with a person like this? The moment you catch on, the moment you see this, you understand immediately what this is about. And when you surrender yourself to this and give in to this, God is saying, why would you do that? Why, why when I have something else for you? Instead of giving yourself away to someone who is unwilling to be committed to you, then why would you do such a thing? It's only going to bring harm in a distortion of the kind of love that I truly have in store for you. And here's why. Because at its core, dating is an artificial arrangement. And so if we're looking for something that is going to be meaningful, it's not going to happen in something that is artificial. But it is a an entry point. It is an access point. It is a way to meet and a way to get to know and for them to get to know you. And sometimes, let's be honest, it just isn't reciprocated to the, to the extent that we want. When that happens, thank God and move on. Because anyone that needs to be convinced to love you is not for you. If they don't want to be in a relationship with you, thank God that he has freed you early on. And even if you have caught feelings and you feel like this person is the person for you, And I just need for them to get to know me so they can see as much as I see in myself and I can see in them and as much as they can see us together, the more I pray about this and work at this then possibly something can happen. Don't waste your time on any of that. Don't put your energy in things like that. Do not devote your life to someone who does not want to be in a relationship with you. And they're gonna give you all of the signs that they're not. And you're just ignoring them. You're choosing not to see them. And so what we do when we date is that we are at our, on our best behavior. And, and, and here's the truth, and I know this to be true because I've been married now going, it'll be 26 years. Poor woman, pray for her. 26 years. And no matter how long we dated, which was by the time we we met and dated and got engaged and got married, it was two years. And when I stood before God and exchanged vows with her, I still felt like I was marrying a stranger. And the truth is, is that as time has passed, we have truly gotten to know each other. And over the years, here's what's happened. We've both changed. But you know what doesn't change? Is the commitment to love each other sacrificially. And if you're capable of doing that, then you are capable of seeing true love flourish in your responsible. Life of love. And God is saying, you are going to be able to respond to that. You're going to be able to live that, experience that. Why? Because you're willing to love sacrificially. And you're seeing someone who is responding to that kind of love. I've seen people sacrificially love someone else and have their heart repeatedly trampled. That's an abusive relationship. That is evil. And that person is under God's judgment for doing those types of things. They are. The Bible says it over and over again. But what you want to do is you want to date someone that when you serve them, when you love them, when you sacrificially do things for them, they respond and flourish under those conditions. They, they, they respond to that, they receive that, and then they reciprocate it. Isn't that what we want in our relationships? To see that reciprocated And and, and I know that even in my relationship, in my marriage, it's only in the context of of day in and day out reality with the vulnerability and the permanence that marriage provides that we learn what another person is really like. That's when you truly see, it's not in a test drive, it's in a commitment. And what you wanna do is you wanna be with someone who serves someone who's a giver, someone who puts you first, just like Jesus was able to die for each of us while we were still uninterested and far from him. He brought us into a relationship with him so we would see and experience the power of what it looks like to be under true love. I'm going to wrap things up with this verse in Romans chapter 13, verse 10. And it gives a definition of a love that we need to have. And it says, love does no wrong to others because love fulfills the requirements of God's law. And the Bible says that the only person who was ever able to fulfill God's law was Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law of God and he did it through love. And and what this passage is basically saying is that it does no wrong to others. And so when we are motivated and we have this mindset of what love is supposed to look like in our marriage and when we're dating and, and when we have made commitments to one another, then we're going to be able to understand that this is the kind of love that God wants us to demonstrate in our relationships. It's a love that God says does not harm another person. And so that's the kind of love that we are wanting to have and and the kind of love that we're needing to express. You see, the, the purpose of love is to lead us to a place of mutual awesome wonder and not to a place where we are wounded and a place where we wound others. God wants to bring mutual, awesome love to each other. That's what he wants. And he's saying, I can do that. I can give you that. I can help you experience that. I can be the one who reveals that in your relationship. But it has to start with the right mindset and the right motivation. We saw it wrongly in Gomer and in Hosea, and we see it rightly only in God. Hosea was not better than Gomer, Gomer was not better than Hosea, they're both sinners in this relationship. They're both in the wrong. But what's right is how God is trying to show everyone else what it looks like to be in the right kind of relationship. And so today, we have that opportunity to say, God, I want the right kind of love in me. The right kind of love to flow from me. I want the right kind of love to be found in my life and in my relationships. I want to become the one and not just search for the one. I want these principles to guide me. I don't want you to come against me. I want you to be for me. I want God to help you to find the right person for you. I want God to be the one who does that for you. But it won't happen if we keep behaving the same way, keep doing the same things the way we've done them before. We have to get off the path that we're on and get onto God's path instead. We do things his way instead of always our way. Move in the direction that he is promising brings blessings. I don't know about you. I don't want a desert. I want a vineyard. I don't know about you, but I don't want a valley of trouble. I want a passageway of hope every day. I want my life to be blessed and flourish. I want my love to grow not only for God, but for the one that I'm committed for. And committed to. And I need you to want that for yourselves. Stop settling for people who just want to test drive you. Stop test driving people. And take on the principles of God. And see how far serving, sacrificing, and commitment will actually take you. When you do those things, God honors you. He blesses you. He gives you the love that you are yearning for, that you are needing in your life. And you begin to do and to live and to experience and more importantly, to become the one for the person that God has brought into your life. God bless you. Thank you so much. And so Father, every person here, God is so precious to you. You love them, and you have given everything so that they would succeed in this life. I pray, God, that these principles, which are sometimes hard to receive and to to fully grasp and understand, that you would give us insight and understanding, that you would illumine our minds and our hearts to receive that which is most important for each of us. Lord, you have spoken a truth to us because you want us to experience your blessing and an abundant blessing at that. don't want us to be lost, but found. And you want the love that you have for us to flourish, not just so we can receive, but so that we can keep giving. Lord, we have and am making room for you in our lives right now. I pray that you would redefine love for each of us, and that you would help us to take the steps in our life practically to experience true love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.